You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Joe Rogan Experience Review, where we review Joe Rogan episodes, for those that don't know. This week, we have Maynard James Keenan from Tool, legend, Michael Shermer, skeptic, and Dr. Phil, Todd. Hey. First off, real quick, and we'll probably start with Dr. Phil, I think. What, what, when, before this pod, if somebody's like, Dr. Phil, what do you think about him? He's been around forever. I don't know how many of his episodes you've ever watched. What's kind of, what's your feel about that guy before this pod? So, so clearly I like him. I love the guy after the pod. I'll just throw that out there. But I always kind of liked Dr. Phil. I never had any bad feelings about him. I always just thought he was a nice dude. He just felt like easy guy to talk to. He felt like he had a good heart. I, I've never had an issue with him. Do, do people have an issue with Dr. Phil? Uh, I don't. I don't know. He's just one yeah. of those TV guys, right? Like Doctor Oz. Yeah. It's it's like okay, yeah. He's a medical doctor. Doctor yeah. Oz is, and you know, sometimes says some wacky stuff and is kind of goofy. And I didn't watch his show enough to know. Right. It's a, it's not like me personally was ever like, oh, you got to start listening to Doctor Oz in kind of the same way as Doctor Phil, because. Mostly the clips I saw were the wackier clips where they have like really trashy guests on and he's trying to talk to them. It's maybe like a mother-daughter situation and yeah. the daughter's kind of just way out there. It it just had this like Jerry Springer-esque <laughs> thing with somebody who's a doctor. Uh, if it turns out, psychology. So, uh, so he's not I, a medical doctor. I know which clip you're talking about. It was some you know, 15, 16 year old girl who didn't want to get a job. And basically her mommy spoiled her her whole life. And then mommy had to call Dr. Phil for help. That one. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. Like that was just some spoiled brat, but I, you know, I think that's the type of people that old, uh, Dr. Philly boy, you know, deals with it. It's like parents who have lost their ability to parent that that's, he deals with a lot of that. He deals with obviously a lot of, um, well recently, you know, in this podcast, he's talking a lot about the people, families he deals with are people who have had overdoses, which I didn't know that that was kind of, it looks like he's kind of turned that direction because it, it seems to me that he gets a lot of his show ideas from emails, right? And people right. calling him in. So the, it seems to me like after, you know, listening to this pod with, with him and Joe that he has kind of switched direction a little bit since COVID. But I think in the past, man, it's kind of just it's kind of just Oprah style stuff. It's not super Jerry Springer. It's, right. it's more family oriented. It's, you know, obviously they're talking about real issues, but I think it's mostly like a family dynamic. The kids are f either fucked up or who knows? There's, there's just issues with families that are on his show and, and he deals with them. I, and is he a psychologist? I don't even know. What, what is his, yeah. what is his PhD? Psychology? Doctor of psychology. Okay. I think it may even be forensic psychology. Oh, he's a what? So he's a, like a like a detective. <laughs> I guess. 
I don't know. I, I have to look it up again. I did it this week. Well, but he talked about it with Rogan that he actually started off. Oh, that's right. Really not talking to people in his profession. He just did this, I guess, forensic side of psychology and then somehow got connected to Oprah, started to bring some value to the table. And Oprah was like, hey, you should do your own show. A little bit like mm-hmm. Rogan is constantly back in the day saying, you should start your own podcast. Straight up. And now he's been around 20 years. He's worth, who knows, $300 million, like a ton. Gee. And, um, yeah, I, I just ask that question because I wonder how he's perceived amongst other psychologists or maybe therapists. And, and I would like to know, obviously, he's been very popular. How much has he helped people? I feel like he's helped a ton of people, but that's just me as an outsider who hasn't seen his show since I was in high school. I haven't watched a show in 20-some years. Yeah. So I don't know, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I think his just his attitude in general was spot on. I mean, he's just, he's the type of guy who you just want, he, he seems to want to help people, obviously. He's in the profession of helping people, and he seems good at it. Dude, after hearing him on Rogan, this is, I think, the second time he's been on. Rogan's actually close friends who one of his kids. That's how they kind of know each other. Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, after hearing him on there, I mean, let's say we took away the fact that he is Dr. Phil and had this show, which I don't know a lot about. It's the kind of guess that I would be like, yeah, if I had a friend that was struggling with something, I'd like this person to talk to him. He seemed pretty fair and quite, yeah, you know, empathetical. Is that a word? Empathetic. Love it. Yeah, man. Look, I, I loved I, I threw out some of his one liners because they were just great. Just some of his quotes and different, you know, ideals that he has and just the way he thinks about things, you know. He obviously got way into the school stuff, which is super depressing. The amount of students that are just fucked and like the math scores and the test scores and all that, but he's still a very positive, he has a huge positive outlook on all of this stuff. And straight up, I loved when he just said, like, I'm not here to win an argument. I'm here to solve a problem. Right. I'm not trying to fight with the, like, the problem is, is that we're fighting. He kept, he was, like, talking about analogies of, like, being on one side of the street and trying to cross and bare feet in the middle of the fucking summer. Mm -hmm. And then you can't even cross. And so you go back to your other side. And he just had some really creative ways of just kind of explaining the problems that we're having in this country, which is mainly we can't talk to each other anymore without getting pissed off. Yeah. Well, lots of groups of us. Yeah. And even look at it within some of your own friendships as well. 99% of all the conversations you can have with certain friends are wonderful. They're great. They remind you why you've known them 20 years. Right. But then you bring up one thing that it's one of the things that's happened over the last two and a half years. And all of a sudden, it's like you can't even look at each other. In eye to eye. Yeah, it's scary how much of that we're seeing these days. Yeah, with people we've known forever. It's like a trick. Like we were tricked into getting that upset. I thought it was really interesting when he said he had these two groups of people from the university, from the debate club. It was like the Republican debate club and the uh, Democratic debate club. Yep. And they just were arguing back and forth constantly. And it was a mess. Yep. And then he said, okay, okay. How about you guys stand in front of each other 
and look at each other in the eye for an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you guys and gals have ever tried doing something like this. Not easy. It's very strange. I went to this retreat with a company called Every Man Once, and we did something like that. And it's very unusual. You're yeah. not used to doing it, and you don't realize what they, it has like an emotional impact. And it definitely, for whatever reason, gives you a lot of empathy for the other person. Like you're really seeing them. You know, you're not just looking at them. Like, you see them. Yeah. And the fact that when they were done, they were like, wow, I've never thought of people that had the opinions that this other person does, this differing opinion as a human being. Yeah. And they all said it. That was intense. Hmm. Yeah, crazy. And, you know, having Phil be on the, you know, on the other end of that, you know, asking these questions, right? They weren't just staring at each other in silence. Dr. Phil's saying, now think about if this person, you know, had a dying family member. Think about if this person has kids. Think about if this person, you know, grew up in a good community or a shitty community. I mean, he had like some solid questions to make you think about that other person while you're fucking staring at a total stranger. Of course, you're going to feel empathy. Of course, you're just going to feel human. That's that's what it is. He yeah. just humanized the situation right. instead of barking at each other. Yeah. And it is, really is that simple. And I think that's his whole philosophy of like we're all so much alike i i think about this all the time because of you know montana is a very polarizing or polarized state there's a lot of democrats there's a lot of republicans and there's also a lot of democrats but they're in small pockets and there's a huge amount of differing views but not really when you sit down and think about it Mm -hmm. it's really only a few things it's like abortion and gay rights or gay marriage and like you know, what else? There's like, the ideals are a little bit different, you know, whether you're Christian or maybe you believe in something else. But at the end of the day, man, we're all human. And I, and I think Dr. Phil's got a really great philosophy on that. And he just he just seems like this guy who really cares. And that that was cool, man. It was right. really good to hear hear the guy talk. And I will say that I got, it's it's a fucking bummer when you get two old dudes and, you know, Dr. Phil's quite a bit older than, I don't know how old, but he's probably in his late 60s, maybe even 70s. And Rogan's kind of old, too. They're both old school, in in a lot more old school than millennials, are, who are the people they're bitching about, basically, and saying are screwed. I don't particularly believe in that. It's not like I'm following the statistics. When somebody, I just felt like there was a lot of blame on the kids. It's the parents' fault. It's the school's fault. And they did mention some of that shit, too. Yeah. But... I, I guess it kind of bugged me because I do have a son. and Yeah, he's only two years old, but I'm not worried about my son not being able to read. Why? Because I'm going to fucking teach him if his if his if his fucking uh, you know teachers aren't doing it, I'm going to do it. That was crazy, though. You know what I mean, though. The 19 percent of high school graduates can't read, can't or can't read past the fourth grade level, or was Some, it? Can't, yeah, like, it was like they don't have like an. Ex- you know. Wait, hold on. I have a, I got the stats, dude. Oh, I think I think up. it was nineteen percent of adults in America are illiterate. It seemed like a lot. That's fucked. How do you? That's but fucked. how can you even graduate high school? I mean, I graduated back in two thousand. Yeah. Uh, technically, too, I went maybe. back to England, so I didn't graduate. But like, I was getting close. Smoke free class two thousand. Yeah, and I, yeah, I just can't imagine. 
Like, I'd, how would you pass your classes? Have they really made it that simple made to graduate? Too, they have made it too easy. I I know this because I have friends who have kids in high school, and you know, luckily their kids are smart. But their kids come home and say, "I don't understand how Billy or Bobby like passes school. He fucking skips every day. He smokes weed. He doesn't come to class." And they just let it pass, man. They are so much more lenient than they were when we were in high school. So much more. That, but that is that's messed up. That's so, a problem. It's a huge problem. What <laughs> to Dr. Phil, you can't fall off the floor. <laughs> like, he's like they're talking about statistics, you know? Like uh how they skew everything. They were talking about, you know, Rogan was saying how, well, what the fuck? I heard I heard that uh, you know, LA was what did he say? LA was having all these stats where they're doing really good in math and and you know, the statistics were saying, Oh yeah, the math scores are way up in COVID. They were comparing them to other states during COVID. Oh god. So it's like we're already starting at a shit level, <laughs> right? And that's when Dr. Phil goes, Well, you can't fall off the floor. Yeah, genius. So I knew something was messed up. California would do that though. They they have been struggling so hard during COVID to show that they did anything right. No wonder it's all they skewed. Pulled that bullshit. It's so skewed. And the the whole thing about pills, I had no idea. I mean, I I mean, it makes sense now that I, they're talking about kids being able to buy shit on TikTok and Instagram and whatnot, and all the emojis for buying pills. But that that's just scary. The amount of of fentanyl that's going around in all those pills. But I didn't realize it was that rampant in young kids well did you see that list it was like a better menu than you get at most restaurants yeah i mean it's like everything is on there imagine what that would be great if it it was real (laughs) it is real yeah that's a real thing lots of fentanyl though is what i'm saying they don't know if the pills are real that they're buying or whatever they buy i mean the drugs can be messed up for sure I mean, obviously, it's not exactly like FDA approved. Yeah. But the fact that menus like that exist and it's that accessible, I mean, talk about the potential for going down a rabbit hole. And how many drug dealers could you would you imagine that are running something like that would be all that bothered if like young kids showed up? It's not like they're checking ID. I mean. I would like to believe they wouldn't sell it to like a twelve-year-old that got a hold of that list and contacted them. They, I don't think they care. I mean, I, who knows who's selling this stuff? But it—it's scary to think that a kid of any age in high school could just go order that stuff. I mean, we had to do some work to get drugs back in high school. Yeah, and it was really shitty weed. Yeah, and it was mostly shitty weed. Yeah, basically. Maybe some, right? there was some E here. You got to go too. to like some sketchy dude's house <laughs> and wait outside, but buy w- an amount you can't even figure out what it is. And it's just this dry, dank, CD. Just a mess of. And it was easier to get that than it was to get somebody to buy you beer in high school. For sure. And this is, this is a, a whole, I mean, it's a different subject, kind of. But what I think is they just need to legalize all that shit for 19 and over. And you just have to have a prescription and you can go in and get pharmaceutical grade drugs, not off the black market. And then doesn't that solve the fentanyl problem? They're going to do it anyways. That's what I've always thought. If kids are going to do drugs, they're going to do them. They're going to well, figure it out. If right, if Rogan's right it, with that stat that the biggest killer of drugs, beto- I mean kids between 18 and whatever it is, 25 is fentanyl. Yeah. How long does that go on for? 
before everyone steps in and says, hey, they're going to get a hold of this stuff. Yeah. We need to get ahead of it. I mean, we've done nothing useful with a drug war since it started. Right. Re- really? I mean, I read a Vice piece the other day that said the purest cocaine <coughs> that existed was between 1987 and 1988. Good years. The public, Pablo Escobar years. Great years. Right? Great years. So think about what that means. The drug war under Nixon had been going on for Ten, over a decade. Yeah, more than that. started in 72, I think it's, he started. It was the purest over a decade later. Purest yeah. meaning it uncut. had the least other de- potential damaging chemicals in. Yeah, uncut. Right? Unless they put, like, sugar and caffeine in, which is obviously less bad for you. But we're seeing now fentanyl is getting in there. And we are, what is this, 50 years later? And now people are dying from fentanyl. They're not even dying of cocaine overdoses. They're dying of fentanyl poisoning. Well, it doesn't make sense to me. Why can't they just, I mean, just put... Just put, uh, you know, anything else that doesn't kill you in there. If you're going to cut a drug, why put fentanyl in it? That kills the person buying drugs from you. Why? It, it just does not make sense to me. Right. Why is this a problem? Why Why would drug dealers want the people buying drugs for them to die? I don't get it. It You could go down a conspiracy I don't rabbit get it. hole here. Who's doing right? this, but man? Think about it. You could go down a conspiracy I, rabbit hole. That's what I'm throwing who that out there. Who doesn't want you to have drugs? DEA. Okay, well, They're, right, and they it's, don't seem to be wanting it, to stop this. The cartels want to sell it and keep selling it and have people buy it. Yeah, do they want a lot of press that says these drugs could kill you at any minute randomly? Who would want that more than anyone? I know for a fact it is. It has stopped a lot of people from even pursuing to buy stuff. I've heard it, and you know, you hear it in col- on college campuses. I don't How recommend scary it. Scary it is. To, I say yeah. stay away. Stay away or test it. Right. That's the other thing. It's like okay, test the drugs. There, you can buy drug testing kits online for pretty damn cheap on Amazon. Right. right. Not saying that every kid's going to do that, but I I don't know what the solution is other than that right now because it doesn't seem to be stopping. Well, there are real concerns. Test your shit, boys and girls. If you're going to put something up your nose, test it. If you're going to pop something down your throat, test it. It takes two seconds. It's like a little strip of paper that you dip, mix in the little drug with water, dip it, and if it turns blue, it's something like that. I've never tried it, but um, yeah, it's it's a simple kit, and it's inexpensive. And almost no one's going to do that, to be honest. I don't know. It might I save mean, what a few if, lives. What if, you know, drug users all of a sudden super organized, and know. they have their own lab testing kits? Not all drug dealers are, or drug users are idiots, Adam. Well, true. There's plenty of real smart drug users out there. I would say it's a small percentage. Maybe. Maybe. You know? I mean, look, there's a reason Rogan and a lot of his top guests have never even tried the ones you would even need to be worried Uh, about testing. Well, moving on, uh, you know, this whole, like, behind the scenes, we, we kind of skimmed over this before about people not being able to talk to each other because they're just fighting. Doesn't this have a lot to do with you're hiding behind a computer screen? Nobody's Mm. looking at each other when they're talking. It's like I could sit here and bitch all day about someone because I'm in a bad mood or maybe I was a little hangry. You know, I got pissed off on the phone about something silly. Would I be bitching about it straight to their face? No, absolutely not. With it, it's almost it's behind like, closed doors. It's extrapolated out from that staring in the eyes thing. 
That's what I mean. Know? Yeah, it's it's like that and not as intense. Obviously. If I never saw you, right? Let's say you lived in another country. That would suck. But we still did the podcast. <laughs> be sad. It would be very sad. But we still did the podcast, right? Like I've done in the past with people remotely. Yeah. So all I have, well, now usually I know them. They're my friends beforehand, so we developed a relationship. But let's say I didn't. And we're just doing the pod every week. You just tune in. You bring your information. I have mine. Yeah. We do it. But we don't talk in between. Everything else is online. It's probably way easier for me to get frustrated or you over scheduling issues, you know, how the pod went, um, which episodes we review. And if we're only communicating back and forth on Twitter or online, it could probably heat up real fast. Whereas in the office, in the studio, when we come in here, it just doesn't go like that. Yeah. Any frustration, it's like, I'm not going to say that to him in person. And then I just get over it and realize, yeah, I was just hungry and needed a burrito or some coffee. Yeah. No, it's true. Or m- mostly for me, just I just need to have some nicotine and then I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I'm good. But yeah, can we some just zins. remind everyone not to be keyboard bullies, Adam? Let's just not be keyboard bullies. That was another good one-liner from Dr. Phil. He, yeah. he had so many of them, dude. He's like... <laughs> well, I don't... I've never done that. Uh, when he was bitching about Biden, like... You know, if I, I, I'm trying to like imitate Dr. Phil's voice, but I can't do it. So I'm not going to stop trying. Do it. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. Come on. But, he's good to but when have he was, an impression. But when he was on. talking about uh, Biden, he's like, man, if I could just, if I was Biden's age, I would just be wanting to fucking fish. I would just be wanting to fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Terrible impression. I told you it was bad. But you gave it a Let's shot. Let's hear you do it. Let's hear you do it. Let's hear you do it. <laughs> If I was Biden's age, I would just be wanting to fish. Okay. Equally as bad. That wasn't as bad. Equally as no. Bad. That wasn't All as right. bad. All right. Props to Dr. Phil. You guys judge. Props to Dr. Phil. Yeah, I feel like he what he's doing now with those like focus group things, he's got everyone in the audience involved. He talked about the words you couldn't use, etc. these oh, days. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Which obviously is coming up and you know, older generations are trying to make sense of it because they've used those words forever. Um and and saying how sensitive we're being, but really just coming back to the fact that like what did he say? He said, when you're talking to somebody, you want to first figure out what you have in common. Yeah. And then talk about your differences so that you have common ground to go from. Yeah. And I think that was such an important point, especially with Americans, right? Because there's a lot of common ground. Everyone agrees. We want good schools. Yeah. We want our kids to do well. We want the economy to run. Yeah. We want gas to be cheap. We want to be we a want, strong. It goes nation. on and on. We want enough food. We want to, and then it comes to these little points that that are ruining us. They're dividing us over these silly things. That, it's, that, yeah, it's good to hear that stuff. And cancel culture is bullshit too. I'm just throwing that out there. And I liked how he called it. It needs to be council culture. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the nerdiest shit. That Super he said, nerdy. For sure. But yeah, you I mean, come it. on. Just stop caring. In my mind, stop caring so much about this little, these little things. Like I'm not allowed to use the word peanut gallery anymore. What the fuck? It's like seats for people who couldn't afford better seats back in the day. They're still at the yeah. damn baseball game. How is that racist? I don't get that. People are getting sensitive. Too sensitive. And look, I, we sound pretty preachy on this one, I'm going to say. Well, right? they did like too. We're holier than, na- 
Not saying we're holier. But also, I know you, and you don't do these things. I hope I don't either. Like, I, the, the stuff he's saying resonates with me, and I try not to do any of that. Yeah, and well, dude, I've always been on Dr. Phil's side when it comes to trying to find common ground, always. I've always yeah, thought Almost that. to a point, uh, a fault, I would say sometimes, you know? Yeah, so I need to be more mean. No, I just mean, well, I did say you should be more of an asshole earlier, but that was a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's like a weight that you'll carry because most of the time it works great. And sometimes people will take advantage of that, and yeah. it's painful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you set a new type of boundary or just know yeah. when it's happening. But generally, that's not the worst way to be. Too You're nice. just like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this. You know, I don't need to turn this up to a 10 just because you have. It's not worth it. i got to take this home with me today. And I'm, you know, going to watch the rest of Jeffrey Dahmer, so I don't have time mm, for this right Not now. doing it. All right, well, that Dr. Phil, that that's my dog. I would say that was my personal fave. Who's next? That was good. All right, we've got Maynard James Keenan. Mm, my wife's wild card, who, mm. after watching this, probably not her wild card anymore. She was very upset. Very upset that he was so bald. That that, very, that upset her. Oh, the bald thing was the issue? Well, dude, cause, so she showed me. She was like, holy shit, when did Keenan get bald? When did Maynard get bald? I was like, I don't know. I've only listened to his music. I'd never ever seen the guy talk ever in my life. I, I like the band Tool, They're but great. my wife is obsessed with the band Tool and Perfect Circle and was like way into him in high school. And she showed me one of his old, uh, you know, videos, music videos, and he's got this long black hair. I was like, there's no fucking way. He went from having that hair to how he looks now. So I looked it up. I was like, does Keenan wear a wig? And there it, there it was. He was always worn a wig. Does he still? Yeah, on on stage, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Why? Super long. I don't know. Joe didn't ask him. should have asked him. Should, yeah. I want to know. But, uh, yeah, interesting guy. I mean, his music is incredible. I w- me, personally, would I would have liked to hear more about his musical talents because he's a talented motherfucker. I mean, he is. It, Tool is an incredible band. I don't care if you like them or not. They were such a different, cool, new sound at the time. I mean, it was a whole completely different genre that he kind of created in my mind. Right. That's it's just a different sound. And it's in his voice, man. His voice is whew, yeah, so good. So real, good. Really interesting. And then knowing that he made that song based on the Fibonacci sequence, mm-hmm. that was a good song, but like spent the time to figure that out. I mean, obviously, in his own right, a nerd. He's a but super a cool, nerd. But super a cool nerd. But a cool nerd. Yeah. Right? Most, I mean, I like, nerds are great because they're smart and they're interesting to talk to. Yeah. And they can do awesome things too. Yeah. Like own a winery and be a black belt in jujitsu legitimately and then also be in Tool can happen. Yeah. It's unfortunate Tool's not uh, touring anymore. I The other band that he's in, it's not even Perfect Circle anymore either. It's something else. But- their t- his newer band is touring, which who I don't think I've heard. What is it called? Don't know. Oh, I I, I knew of Tool and Perfect Circle, and they're both incredible. Um, but yeah, I I had no idea. I knew about his wine thing. So like I said, my my wife is way into Maynard, and uh, one of her good friends here in town bought her um, a bottle of wine from his vineyard as a pre- as a birthday present. Great birthday present. That, so that's how I knew of Maynard owning this wine 
winery, but I didn't know he was like the winemaker. I mean, he's not fucking around. He didn't just buy a winery and have somebody else do it. He's like growing all of his own food and, you know. It sounded exhausting. He's way into it, though, man. If he loves it, great. But, I mean, he's out there peeing in bottles and <laughs> pouring it on his fence. Hey, man, good for him. that he doesn't. Have, he's like, I don't hire those people. I do it myself. Good for him. You Legit. Know? Seems like a very hard worker. Um, you but, know. like, look how busy he is that he's watching UFC fights on an iPad on stage while playing. <laughs> how he does that, I have no idea. Oh, I thought he was saying he did that. In between sets to calm down, he's doing it on stage. I think he, yeah, while he's performing, does he's that watching calm the him down? No, he's. It's just that's when the fights are on. Oh my goodness! Yeah, crazy. But I get it. If you're a huge fan of the UFC, like you don't get to pick when those fights are going to okay. be on. Okay, okay. The dude's rich enough to fucking buy a TiVo and get those things uh, recorded for him, is he not? Yeah, but people will tell him. Oh, then he's going to know who, who won. Got exactly. it. Exactly. Got it. Wasn't it's thinking about problem. that. Got it. And there's something about it being live that the uh, <laughs> Rogan, you know, doesn't get to do when he has to perform. So he, I'm sure Rogan says, right, everyone in the green room, Nobody tell me who won anything, and when I get off stage, i got to watch the fights. Yeah, I, I mean, get it. They're that into it. I, you know, That's I respect cool. that. That's cool. I Yeah, I'm, I don't – I like all those things. I think watching MFA is great, but, yeah, I, I can't – you know, I've never been a huge, huge, huge sports fan, really, in any regard. I used to play sports, loved them, but it was never – I always felt like I had things that I would rather do. It's not well, like I didn't understand you. it. The fuck, blood fuck makes that. you sad. Fuck that. I, I will say I when I, I watched a uh I watched a fight here in Bozeman like ten years ago. My old boss took us to a fight and thought it was gonna be fun. And this poor fat kid, he was like sorry buddy, but he was like eighteen and the other guy, they were in the same weight class. It was like this eighteen year old chubby kid who like clearly looked like he was still twelve, but oh, was huge because he was, you know, he was a fat kid, sorry. And then this like Thirty-some-year-old, like ripped, fucking, goes to the gym every day, and man, this kid's lights were out within three seconds of the fight. He just got knocked the fuck out, and it was. I was like, man, I, that didn't seem fair. I didn't like that. Well, that, that was my first experience with MFA. Um, obviously, if there's a if there's a you know two people who are, are you of saying, similar, are you saying MFA? No, this wasn't MFA. MMA. MMA. No, MMA. M- did I say right. MFA? I don't know. I do have a Master of Fine Arts. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> we'll throw you in the ring. No, this was a this was a local fight. It wasn't MMA. It was like a boxing thing. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. But no, dude, MMA is fun the, as hell to watch. Hold on, Love that's, it. that's the problem. It's different when you go to amateur fight nights. There often are really unfortunate matchups, right? And it's kind, it's pretty rare that you see that in the UFC. I mean, they're all elite professionals. Totally. Sometimes they throw a really strong wrestler against uh, an elite striker that, and that doesn't have strong wrestling, and it's super one-sided and it just smash fest. But yeah, it, mostly it's better to watch. Though some of those amateur ones are a little, they're a little tough. So. You know, be yeah, careful I get when that. you go watch those. I get that. So I'm back to Maynard, man. He's clearly he he's got a good soul. Like the guy's just got a good heart. He's kind of just like a little he's just like a little puppy dog, really. He Sweet just wa- guy. he wants to help people grow food. He wants to cook food for people. He wants to make wine. He wants to 
you know, show his friends how to grow food and have fresh water. I mean, he just, he's kind of just like this old soul who, you know, is so creative with his music and still does that, obviously, but he seems more at peace on his farm than he does on stage. Yeah. From from how he was talking. Well, it sounded like being on the tour bus is pretty fucking tiring. Yeah. And not good sleep. Yeah. And he's probably done this so long now that there's elements of it I'm sure that he's over. Totally. I wonder why he doesn't just fly to every venue. Is it too expensive or is flying actually more tiring than going on those buses? Or is it Maybe. scheduling issues? Maybe unless you have a private jet, you can't guarantee that the flight goes. Uh, yeah, I feel like if you have one of those, you know, sick tour buses, you can just kind of hang out and sleep. You got a bed, you got a couch, you got food. I mean, that seems more would, comfy to me. I would think so, but he said it like hits a bump and yeah. turns a sharp corner and he's awake. So he has to add like three, four hours to the whole sleeping process well, to be rested. Like you said, obviously a pretty sensitive dude. He's a pretty sensitive dude, you know? Yeah, well, maybe he just doesn't sleep know. that great. Okay, well, a bump dump, just... bump's not fucking with me. I will say that he <laughs> was stoked on that. He kept saying, talking about Subaru Brats, which if you know, do you know that car? I'm a Subaru fan. I've had like six in my life, all okay. old old Subarus because they're four-wheel drive and they're cheap. They're great for the mountains. Yeah. He, he must have had one when he was younger because he said it twice when they were talking about cars because he said he's got the FJ Cruiser. Right. Anyway, just throwing that out there. I was stoked on that because I've dreamed of having a Subaru Brat. It's a fucking Subaru with the back cut off. That's it's basically a mini El Camino, but Subaru. Oh, I've and the seen seats that. go backwards in the back. You can sit there, fucking dope. Really? Yeah. Well, that sounds just, so stupid. They're ridiculous, and that's okay. why they're cool. All right. And it well. and they have four wheel drive or two wheel. You can you can change it with the stick shift. Mm. So it's like not always all four wheel drive. Anyway. Yeah, you've lived in the mountains too long, Todd. I guess so, buddy. <laughs> All right. Let's jump over to good old Michael Shermer. Oh, we over to Mikey already, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Get your water rights, though. Let's just throw that out there. Get your water rights. Mm-hmm. If we're going to learn anything from Maynard. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, think about water. I mean, you know, he's going to be prepared they if keep the earth goes down. We're run out of it. That's what I'm saying. I hope I'm not around anymore when we have to tackle that. Well, just get your water rights, baby. Okay. Get on that river. Get a get a well. Well, know people that have them. Yeah. There you go. So Michael Shermer, been on plenty of times. Um, what is he? Some. He's the uh, publisher director. Pu- he's the publisher of Skeptic Mag. That's right. Magazine, which I have never seen, but love the title. I think, in a way, even though it sounds anti-conspiracy, which it pretty much is, an anti-like UFO. I think it's just as important to have a magazine like that as it is to have, you know, these UFO videos that pop up. Because, you know, you're either wanting to believe or you're trying to knock it down, but it's, it's... it's kind of not the anti-propaganda to conspiracies. I think in a way it fills it in because when he comes on, they end up discussing so many conspiracies and UFOs. It's almost like another one of those shows which, whether you believe or not, it's kind of pro. 
yeah. that sort of thinking. And True. even though at times <laughs> it gets difficult to listen to because you just want him to kind of Believe. You know, succeed a little bit of space to Rogan, just be like, okay, all right, I guess that could be true. When he doesn't, though, you got to understand he's like the guy that's supposed to not believe in this. Yeah. So it's like he's trying to not. It was a little strange. It was like he didn't, yeah, you're right. He didn't have much, he, there was no leeway back or forth until, I mean, dude, Rogan was drilling him for the first half hour of the show about, you know, his beliefs or non-belief, I guess, in the JFK thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Rogan doesn't tolerate that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, when it comes to the JFK conspiracy, that's Rogan's big one. Yeah. And and he will hammer somebody about that for a long time. The, you know, it's, but it was, he, Sherman wasn't convincing to me. Not at all. When he talked about that bullet, he's like, well, it could be like that. No. And Joe's like, come on, dude. I was surprised. I've seen bullets. Like, d- let's not be ridiculous about it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was I was very surprised at how unconvincing he was on that one. I mean, there was, there was a plenty of, in my mind, there's plenty of evidence that goes the other route and reasons why JFK would have been an inside job, I don't know enough about it, but from the points that I've heard, from the Oliver Stone movie, from Rogan talking, I mean, there's look, there's so much there's so much skepticism there that it there has to be some sort of conspiracy. That's in my mind. Now, what I did appreciate Shermer talking about was, well, they're probably just not letting the files out because the fucking CIA and the FBI were up to all this other stuff that is then going to get leaked if we let those become declassified, right? That, to me, makes a lot of sense as well. That's you know, reasonable. Especially when you look at MKUltra and all the other things they were talking about, the Guantanamo Bay thing, which I didn't know about, Operation Paperclip. I mean, they, they were talking about all sorts of conspiracy theories that are actually true. Yeah. They've been conspiracy theories until we actually figured out, oh, wait, that's true. Yeah, but I don't even know that much about ballistics. You can't show me one bullet and say, yeah, this bounce around all over the place, shot like two people, we found it, and it looks mostly like a bullet. Yeah. That doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. sense. No, that's what I'm saying. There's there's a lot of skepticism there. And for Mr. Skeptic Magazine, you would think he'd be on the side of the skeptics. And the skeptics are the people thinking that it was a that it was a inside job, right? Because in a sense, if you're like the professional skeptic, could you not then say, I'm skeptical about the government's conclusion of this thing right. based on it's evidence? Like, in a sense, you're being a bad skeptic at that point. Kind of what it seemed like. It didn't start off well, but by the end of it, I liked the guy. At but first, it, I didn't. A lot of his other points are reasonable. Right. Even when he's st- starting to talk about the UFOs, again, it's not unreasonable to say, hey, we haven't... F- we don't have any physical evidence. There's not like a museum where we have this chunk of metal that's been analyzed and we don't know how it could be made. Right. right? When right. you don't have physical evidence in that it. sense. Now, sure, the Navy made a new, um, what is it, kind of uh, radar system mm-hmm. that highlighted all these crafts everywhere all the time, and they can't figure them out. That's something. That certainly is evidence 
But if you're thinking of looking for, if you think of any other type of fact that we created, you know, that when we're like, why do we know the moon exists? Well, we can go there. We can get rocks. Yeah. Right? We've been to Mars. We know that. We know <laughs> other planets exist and we accept that they're there. But we can scan them and do other things. We can measure them. We know their gravity pulls on stuff. Like, there's a lot of elements to it that make it a fact. Whereas I think there's like a 10th planet theory in our solar system, but we haven't seen it. We don't know it's there. There's some sort of gravity pull that happens to where we're thinking it might be, but it also could be clusters of asteroids out there. That isn't a fact yet. And the reason being is because we don't have enough of the pieces to make it a fact. You could pretty much say the same thing about UFOs. So I'm, I'm inclined to understand his skepticism in this area, right? It's reasonable. Now, people have added major legitimacy to it, just like, you know, l- like serious fighter pilots that have all the technology, that scan things all the time. You know, they're not just some quack on the side of the road that has a camera that sort right. of flashing light. I mean, these guys study things, fly around, and it's really not in their best interest to come out and talk about it because they get pushback and people kind of make fun of them. But is that enough to make it like a fact or to make it something that you can be skeptical about? So I appreciate his analysis of that. I'm like, yeah, people should be skeptical about that stuff because so many people want to believe you got to be careful. I will say, look, I, I looked up Shermer's last law, and you do have to be careful. There's a lot of skepticism, but skepticism can go either direction, like we're talking about. He, to me, he seemed like he, he he's almost like a cop. In my mind, he's a cop. He just wants to believe everything that the government tells us in a little bit. That's how I felt right off the bat. Yeah. And that kind of pissed me off, right? Because I'm like, dude, you know better. You, he kept contradicting himself. He'd be like, yeah, well, this and that, but... You know, yeah, I guess you are right, Joe, because, yeah, they're probably not, you know, letting these papers out because they did do a bunch of illegal shit that they don't want us to know about. So it was weird. It was like he believed the government, but then he's telling himself that the government's corrupt. That's, there, that, to me, was frustrating. There's some of that, for there sure. There was a lot of that. Well, that's why Rogan brought up the MK Ultra LSD right. trials. Yep, yep. And then they went into a whole thing about, you know, they moved on to, like, false memories, suggested memories— the hypnosis Kaczynski. and implanting thinking and how that's a problem. Yeah, being at a, at a mall and they would bring subjects in and say, hey, your mom told me that one time when you were at the mall and you got lost, do you remember that? And they say, oh yeah, I do remember that. It's like, that was a fucking fictitious story. We just made that up. Mm, but this is this comes back to their agreement that Eyewitness testimony is bullshit. Yeah, completely worthless most of the time. So, again, you've got to have, like, a physical fact, right? Yeah, absolutely. A physical fact? Yeah. Well, yeah, or just evidence, real evidence instead of eyewitness. But, you know, that only has come about since DNA, and even that can get skewed. And they can bring in these experts, like blood splatter experts. That can be skewed. Anyone could get paid off, dude. That's the problem. Yeah. But while well, they already said, what is it? Polygraphs of bullshit? Yep. Bite marks. 
bullshit. Exactly. Um, partial fingerprints, probably. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> what are we left with? And if you don't have eyewitness testimony on top of that, I wonder how people can even make a case. Dude, because that's the other thing that somebody has been on Rogan talking about this. As soon as the cops go one direction, you they get it in their head that that's the right direction and they cannot go any other direction. It's just like they're stuck in that direction. This is correct. This is legit. Or they make themselves think, Shermer brought this up. This person's bad, and this would happen a lot in the 50s. We know he maybe didn't do this crime, but we know he's a bad person and he's done other crimes, so let's just put him away so he doesn't do any more crimes. And that that was like a way to justify their decision-making. Which is scary. Yeah, dude. The, dude, so... Not to knock on Shermer, this is a good thing that I really do appreciate about Shermer, and I looked this up. His the Shermer, um, oh sorry, what did he call it? The he was talking about aliens, and they were talking about God. Mm-hmm. And I have always felt this way about God, or not always. When I was twelve, I was scared of God because my mother put the fear of God in me and made me go to church. But you know, re- in recent years, I have always thought that God was just an alien. I'm throwing it out there for all the world to hear. And Shermer's with me, dude. He says, is God nothing more than a sufficiently advanced extraterrestrial intelligence? Yeah. So if you think about these aliens coming back. What's that saying with it? It's shit. If you have advanced enough technology, it would be indistinguishable from magic. Right. Or something like that. No, the, it, it would be indistinguishable from any god. We could do things that we've talked about for millennia, about what gods can do. They can create free power. They can create light. They can create... I mean, look, dude, if we went back to fucking caveman, they would think we're gods right now. Doing what we're doing on the fucking internet, they would think we were gods. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, who are these people? How do they do this? Yeah. Well, we're, just we're a couple of idiots. So basically aliens talking on the mic. Disappointing. Disappointing for them. <laughs> I'm like, What? But uh, it's, dude, I mean, I just really liked the fact that he talked about, um, yeah, this, this Shermer, what did he call it? The, sorry, let me look at my notes here. Uh, la, 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 la. It was the Shermer theory. What the frick was it, man? I um, need to get a hold of this magazine, I think. I, Cause I've never right. once looked at it and he has legitimate conversations where he has access to a lot of people to do his own research, obviously has a bit of an agenda to, you know, be the guy that is skeptical. Um, But he's has the chance to interview these people. I'd like to hear him talk to one of these fighter pilots Mm. and see what his conclusion would be and break down. So I found it. He he calls it Sherber's Last Law, and it's in Scientific American... It was an article that he wrote, but then I found this Clark. I don't know who Clark is, but what you were just saying, Clark's third law, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That's tight. That's tight. And it is so true. Like, yeah. Especially if you think about cavemen us mm. seeing what we see today, even a fucking plane, you'd be like, that's God. Right? All you'd have to do. Would you not? If you went back in time with like 60 drones that ran off an app that flowed in, like flew around in unison and knew where each other were and could make patterns, you could just walk into a town, 
have it do over. something and you'd be in charge. Yeah. And all you have is drones. Mm. And that's my stupid idea. Yeah. Great idea. Could be done. Yeah. Well, it's important to have guys like this on because my some of my favorite Rogans recently have been the like pro UFO ones. And it's nice sometimes to have someone on that's like just trying to ground the perspective, even if some of it you don't agree with or you mm. don't want to. I know I have my own bias. I'm just waiting for the day that they're like, yep, we found a ship. It crashed. There it is. There's the guy. He's green. I hope so. I hope so. I don't know if it'll change anything. I think we'll get over it in a few days and just be like, well, I guess we kind of knew they were there because they've been flying around and we just move on. It's like, I don't know what we do with that information. Well, they kind of got into that where where it's like people are so pissed off that their Amazon package doesn't come in two days that... You know, they just want it now. They, it's like people have so forgotten where we came from when it comes to technology these days. They just want more, more, more. And Rogan's talked about this a lot in the past couple of weeks, and I think even longer than that, but he's been bringing it up about how can't we just stop tomorrow? Like, we got the iPhone 14. We got everything we need. We're good. It's but good we could never do that. It's not in our human brain to do that. Faster, bigger, cheaper, quicker. <laughs> More options. <laughs> right. I was talking about it the other day with Netflix. I couldn't even figure out something to watch. And there's like a billion shows that I get to start whenever yeah. I want to. Right. Back in the day, I remember being real young and watching TV back in England when we had four channels. And one night, it was like a Thursday, Ghostbusters 2 was on. Was that the sh- movie? Yeah, would that, the, would that have been the movie? that I had chosen if I had had all the different options? No. I wouldn't have cared at all. I would have chosen something I wanted or been confused by the massive choice I had. But since it was the only thing on and I had to watch the commercials with it and I'd seen it a bunch of times, I couldn't have been more excited. Yeah. I was like, wow. And it, also, In good a movie. sense, we need the <clears throat> choice movie. made for us. We're like, sometimes we yeah. got too much choice these days. That's a good point, buddy. That's a good point. Well, hell... There we go. That was this week's Rogans. Um, I hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. I like these ones. These, th- yeah. Me too. These are interesting. Me God too. bless Dr. Phil. Yeah. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Todd, and thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>